pirates, a juvenile hobby that over time turned into a full-blown obsession and finally was to become the compulsory enthusiasm of the entire Joy clan. Even Jack Joy succumbed. Anne's father was a raven-haired, extravagantly tattooed ex-Navy man who drove a fuel-injected Nash Rambler to distribute a variety of unlawful drugs for the Woodson brothers to truck stops throughout eastern Kentucky, Tennessee, and West Virginia. Even such a roughneck as Jack Joy yielded to his wife's fixation and became an authority on Long John Silver, Captain Kidd, and Blackbeard, and eventually came to measure his own daring and lawlessness by their far-fetched standards. Although the townsfolk gave Jack Joy a wide berth whenever he went out in public, Anne never caught so much as a whiff of violence on him once he entered those four walls. There was even a boyish innocence about the way he adored his wife and indulged her every caprice. Each evening, when the meal was done, Jack Joy sat in hillbilly rapture, while Antoinette read to the family from the book that provided that night's entertainment. Radios and televisions were banished from the Joy's home, and the only books allowed were those that transported them across the centuries to the days of swashbuckling sea raiders. On Saturdays, the four of them would sometimes drive a half-day to the closest movie house to catch a matinee of Captain Blood or Morgan the Pirate, and on the return voyage Antoinette would dote on the dozens of Hollywood atrocities that had been committed on the truth, grilling Vic and Anne, forcing them to chime out the movie blunders. An unschooled man, Jack Joy was made sappy by love, swept away by what he considered his wife's refined tastes and higher education. Around his wife he played a courtly role, part southern gentleman, part movie idol. And for her part, Antoinette regularly assured any who would listen that her Jack was double the man of any Errol Flynn or Tyrone Power. For almost two decades of married life, she and Jack stayed tipsy on that fantasy. But Anne Joy had been born with a disbeliever's eye, and when the sun poured into her bedroom each morning, she began her day by staring beyond the rickety maze of pine slats that formed the pirate schooner at the gashed hills below and the gray haze and acid stench of the underground fire that had plagued that town since before her birth. And she reminded herself of her own dream, an escape from those hills so complete that once she was out of Harlan, she intended never to allow a stray memory of the place to flit through her head. On this point, Vic was her total opposite. Vic was his mother's sworn disciple, the first mate on her wacky voyage. Vic's favorite chore was to track down the burned-out bulbs that occasionally shut down the light show in their yard. He would spend entire dutiful afternoons unscrewing one bulb after another until he'd located the latest dud. In that town of coal hackers, dope and religion were the only release from the daily grind, and the Woodson brothers year by year grew fatter and more pig-eyed on the profits from their fields of marijuana and meth labs. Over time, the entire Woodson clan, which populated the back roads of the countryside, took to driving flashy pickups and staggering drunk in public. From time to time, Big Al Woodson and his little brother Sherman made sudden appearances in the Joy's living room. With big whiskey grins, they dusted their hats against their trouser legs and shuffled and nodded at Antoinette, repeating her name aloud more than was necessary 
as if to feel its exotic taste on their tongue. It was on just such a night in early April that the Woodson boys made their last call, and Anne Joy's childhood was forever finished. Vic was seventeen, with sinewy muscles and his black hair swept back in an Elvis ducktail, and, two years his junior, already had been cursed with a lush swell of hips and breasts that was to lure men to her all the rest of her days. Not quite summer, with green pine popping in the wood stove to chase the chill, the family had assembled in their usual fashion in the cramped living room. Anne sat on the ratty corduroy loveseat, while her father lay out on the blue and red rag rug in the center of the room. In the far corner, Antoinette was dabbing at the canvas she'd set up on a makeshift easel, an old hobby she'd recently resumed when Vic questioned her once too often about her childhood days in the lawless...